Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 17th, 2018, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. The sun is at galactic degree today, emphasizing the divine feminine and the crystal grid. And we have a few spots left for our next Starseed Quest to Arkansas, which is August 17th through the 20th, for the Harmonic Convergence Anniversary in the Crystal Capital of the World. And with all the eclipses this month and next, this will be a very powerful event. So if you have at least one galactic degree on your chart, which is 25, 26, or 27, we invite you to join your soul family and power up. You can write to crystals at starseedhotline.com for more info. We are pleased to welcome Judy Carroll back to our show. She'll be talking about the complex history of ET contact, which has been manipulated by mixing truth with fiction to create maximum confusion. Extraterrestrial Presence on Earth, Lessons in History, is Judy's newest book and offers a unique perspective of the hidden history of Earth, its hijacking by reptoid controllers, and their covert influence behind world governments and fundamentalist religions. Billions of years ago, elders from ancient civilizations came to Earth to blend their own DNA into naturally evolved life forms to assist in the evolution of our planet. One of the resulting species, whom she calls the controllers, also known as the Illuminati, the Cabal, consider themselves to be the rightful owners of the planet and continue to reincarnate on Earth, exploiting, disempowering, and brainwashing modern-day humans through subtle and not-so-subtle means to keep people in fear and confusion. A major part of this agenda involves demonizing the greys to turn people against them. And Judy, who has 60 years plus of ET contact and in her previous books introduced her connections to the Zeta Grays. And you can check out her website, which is ufogreyinfo.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Jada, Kathy, and Fiona for hosting the Switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for our guest. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's dedication. And you can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here at Blog Talk and you will get our weekly show notices uh, depending on your um, notification preferences. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And for those who need healing of any kind, whether emotional, physical, or spiritual, for yourself or your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will make a difference for you. 
And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when it happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want the interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it at least three months ahead to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours starts because we do have a waiting list. So first tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her fascinating Starseed News. Ta-da! <laughs> hey, Anastasia. <laughs> Thank you, Ariel. That was a wonderful introduction. <laughs> it's great to be back with you. You're so cute. Well, we've got some news, lots of news. Actually, I will say this. The Internet appears to be being scrubbed more and more, and it's getting more and more difficult to find stories. It's rather frustrating. We just know that things are just being mopped up right and left. Anyway, be that as it may, I do bring you some news. And we are now three weeks without sunspots. As July 17th comes to a close today, the sun has been blank for 21 straight days. A remarkable three weeks without sunspots. Now, to find an equal stretch of spotless suns in the historical record, according to spaceweather.com, you have to go back to July of 2009, when the sun was emerging from a century-class solar minimum. They tell us that we are now entering a new solar minimum, possibly as long and deep as the last one. And astronomers have discovered 12 new moons orbiting Jupiter. One is on collision course with the others. Researchers in the United States have stumbled upon the new moons while hunting for a mysterious ninth planet that, as we all know, is postulated to lurk far beyond the orbit of Neptune, the most distant planet in the solar system. Now, this team first glimpsed the moons in March last year from an observatory in Chile, but needed more than a year to confirm that the bodies were locked in orbit around the gas giant. Jupiter, the largest planet in the solar system, was hardly short of moons before the latest findings. Now, this fresh haul of natural satellites brings the total number of Jovian moons to 79, more than are known to circle any other planet in our cosmic neighborhood. A head-on collision between two Jovian moons would create a crash so large it would be visible from Earth, according to astronomers, and they are Two of them are, one of them is on a collision course with the others. And NASA spacecraft has picked up a weird plasma sound when it plunged into Saturn. Remember the Cassini spacecraft? Well, now they're telling us that it picked up something very unusual in its crash uh, last year. It detected a series of plasma waves heading from Saturn to, uh, to its rings and out into Enceladus, which is one of Saturn's moons. NASA has described this as resembling an electrical circuit that has energy flowing back and forth. Now, NASA researchers converted those plasmic waves into an audio file in the same way that a radio translates electromagnetic waves into music. And let me tell you, you remember the old space movies from the 1950s? You know, they'd play that certain song or music or sound, and if you were listening to TV from the other room, you knew it was a space story by the weird space music they were playing. Well, that's exactly what it sounds like. So totally weird. Um, just fascinating. If you want to listen to that, you can Google this. NASA spacecraft finds weird plasma sounds 
Cassini spacecraft. Check that out. You won't believe the, the noise that it makes. Weird stuff. Well, it's hot everywhere, except for a few locations, which are still getting snow when they shouldn't. But in Sweden, they have a heat wave, and that heat wave is getting so bad that the country is now sending out official warnings about extremely high temperatures in several areas, including Stockholm. Uh, Sweden's National Weather Agency has issued an alert for extremely high temperatures in counties in central parts of the country. Temperatures are expected to reach, for Sweden, a whopping 86 degrees for more than five days in a row. It is very unusual for the mercury to climb and stay that high in Sweden. 86 degrees to them is sweltering. <laughs> and in Australia, we've had a, a drought. Uh, they say it's, uh, it's the worst drought in 116 years. It's a severe drought that's gripping much of rural Australia. It's become so intense that even the native animals, which are fully adapted to this harsh environment, are starving to death. The worst drought in, drought in 116 years for parts of New South Wales, South Australia, Victoria, and Queensland. Uh, it's leaving barns bare. It's drying up water dams. And it isn't just the sheep and cows that are struggling to survive in this record, record drought. The Australian uh, foliage, which is supposed to uh, thrive in Australia's dry climate, is also being hit hard. It's dying off. Now, farmers say it's the very worst drought they've seen in over 40 years, and the rain so far this year is 75% below normal. And in Japan... Two are dead and thousands have suffered heat exhaustion as a heat wave continues in Japan. What's hot in Japan? Hot uh, is 86 degrees in Sweden, and in Japan, it's over 100 degrees. And in parts of Kyoto, or in Kyoto, excuse me, they recorded 100 degrees plus. This extreme heat has made it hard to carry out relief operations in those regions in Japan that have been ravaged by the recent flooding and landslides. In the hardest hit prefectures, a total of 184 people have been hospitalized from heat-related exposure. Flooding, landslides, and now a heat wave. Oh. Well, in Hawaii, mm, they get a brand new island Lava flows that have been cascading into the sea have formed a brand new small island off the coast of Hawaii after a crater at Mount Kilauea exploded with the force of a 5.2 magnitude earthquake. This explosion happened on Friday and it spoke, sparked a slow-moving flood of lava that destroyed hundreds of homes at Kapoho on the Big Island. They say this once scenic bay was dotted with beach homes Turquoise water used for swimming and scuba diving. It was quickly turned into a steaming dark pool, and when the lava cooled, the sea peeled back to reveal a small island jutting out from the depths only a few meters from the mainland. According to Hawaii News Now, the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory estimated that the island is about 20 to 30 feet in diameter. It is formed at the northernmost part of the ocean entry and is oozing lava similar to the lava oozing from the broad flow front along the coastline. That's how Hawaii was made, you know, through volcanic uh, 
lava and explosions. And now there's another little tiny island, 20 to 30 feet in diameter, made from the lava. Well, this is odd. There's been a huge crack that's appeared in a rock wall in Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. This isn't very far from Yellowstone. The Grand Teton National Park has closed the Hidden Falls and Inspiration Point tourist attractions because of concerns that a fissuring rock wall could pose a danger to tourists. These growing cracks and fissures were observed in the large buttress above Hidden Falls. The main crack is about 100 feet long and runs horizontally along a, along a rock wall that's at least 100 feet tall. And since these locations are among the park's busiest attractions, they decided to close them. And there's been a small eruption that has occurred on an uninhabited island south of Japan. It was confirmed recently. Uh, it's about 1,000 kilometers south of Tokyo, this island where nobody lives. They, and the way they discovered it was a Coast Guard aircraft saw brown smoke coming out of a crater on Nishimoshima around uh, two and 12 in the afternoon a couple of days ago. Uh, the island emerged in an eruption in 2013. It's a brand new island. The volcanic activity slowed since then, but now it's on the rise again. And they say that given that land surface temperatures are continuing to rise and remaining steady, they believe that the latest eruption uh, did not lead to the release of lava, but that there is activity occurring underneath. Smoke, but no lava but it is uh, powering up. And in Iceland, you guys, this is tough to say. So it is the volcano Orifagicol. Orifagicol. How's that? I have no <laughs> idea how to say this. Absolutely none. I can barely read it. Anyway, it is showing clear signs of unrest. Um, this is in southeastern Iceland. It is the largest active volcano and the highest peak in Iceland. They say it is showing clear signs of disturbance. It is in an inflation phase. Now, the last eruptive episode of this volcano started in 1727. They say that right now the inflation is increasing. There's increasing seismicity and the characteristic deformation pattern of the land. They say there are absolutely no signs of a decrease in this inflation rate or the seismicity. And the state of unrest persists despite decreased geothermal activity. They say that what is going on is the injection of new magma under the surface. So that volcano is rumbling underground and building up magma. All right. Well, this is kind of a really interesting story. According to a study at Norway's Ragnar Fritsch Center for Economic Research, which doesn't sound like a study that might do IQ studies, but they did. And researchers at this institute say they now have scientific proof of something that many of us have long suspected, that human beings are all getting dumber. In their newly published paper, re researchers are telling us that IQ scores have been steadily dropping since the 1970s. I wonder if that has something to do with education. Anyway, 
The study consisted of analyzing 730,000 IQ test results gleaned from young men entering Norway's compulsory military service from 1970 to 2009. We're talking here 39 years of studies of people, 39 years. Now, they found that these scores declined by an average of seven points per generation, and that is a reversal of earlier studies where at that time the IQ was seen to be rising during the first part of the 20th century. Now, they don't know what's causing the decline. They say it could be due to environment. They don't know what it is. But there it is. Interesting. Well, who's the richest man in modern history? Anybody know? People used to say it was Bill Gates. Well, a new article out today says that Jeff Bezos is the richest person in modern history. This Amazon founder's net worth broke at $150 billion yesterday morning, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. That is about $55 billion more than Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates, who's the world's second rich person now. Bezos, who's only 54 years old, has topped Gates in inflation-adjusted terms, and the $100 billion mark that Gates hit briefly in 1999 at the height of the dot-com boom would be worth about $149 billion in today's dollars. Bezos has him beat by $1 billion. So the Amazon chief executive is richer than anyone else on Earth since at least 1982 when Forbes published its inaugural wealth ranking. Bezos crossed the threshold just as Amazon prepares to kick off its 36-hour summer sales event called Prime Day. The company's share price per share, yes, $1,825.73. Eighteen hundred dollars plus. Um, <clears throat> extending its 2018 gain to 56 percent and giving Bezos his 150.8 billion dollar fortune. Now, a little more than a week ago, Facebook co-founder Mark Zuckerberg overtook Warren Buffett to become the world's third richest person. Wow something to think about. Well, there's two simultaneous articles on the net of uh, sort of contrasting interests. One I'm not going to report on because of its complexity, but I will give you a brief summary in my own words, and that is that Congress had a, um, a hearing today regarding Facebook's inability to uh, omit or cancel or otherwise pull down Facebook pages that carry inflammatory or radical or hostile messages. Um, Many of the uh, social media experts were present, and Congress is embroiled in this discussion to begin to eliminate web pages that are seen to be socially unacceptable, hostile, and so forth. All the while, at the same time, A congressman from Colorado today also announced that he has support for a bill that would institute the basic outlines of the FCC's open Internet order that had banned the throttling and blocking of content 
as well as harmful paid prioritization practices. This is the first Republican to sign onto the Democrat-led discharge petition, which wants to force a vote on the House floor to roll back the FCC's December decision to repeal net neutrality. They're wanting to go the other way. The 21st Century Net uh, Internet Act, excuse me, claims to restructure the current framework by which the Internet has been governed since the 90s. This congressman's bill will move past this argument by amending the 1934 Telecommunications Act and adding a new title, and this new classification will, quote, permanently codify into law the four corners of net neutrality by banning providers from controlling traffic quality and speed and forbidding them from participating in paid prioritization programs or charging access fees from edge providers. On top of providing stable ground for net neutrality rules to be upheld in the future, the legislation will make it illegal for providers to participate in unfair or deceptive acts or practices, and it directs the Federal Communications Commission to investigate claims of anti-competitive behavior on behalf of consumers once they receive their complaints. Uh, Transparency requirements are heightened for providers as well, as companies must publicly disclose information regarding their network practices to allow consumers to make informed choices regarding the use of their services. So there is a backlash. One hand, we have Internet control, and on the other, um, people working for the freedom of the Internet. Well, you all heard, I suppose, if you watch any television at all or listen to any radio news, that in Trump's uh, recent visit to the U.K., uh, certain protesters prepared a Trump blimp. It was a blimp with a diaper baby Trump. Maybe you've heard about that. Well, there is something else that someone in England had prepared for Trump. They didn't protest in just one way or with all of those tens of thousands of protesters there in London. No, that wasn't all they did. He was greeted in England by a 650-foot crop circle that had a very rude message. Now, an artist turned part of a field at Moat Farm in Stoke Mandeville. It's part of the UK. He turned a part of this farm into a 650-foot crop circle with a F blank, blank, blank Trump, which was partly written in Russian and partly written in English. The expletive part, the dirty word part, was written in in Russian, and Trump was written in English. There's pictures of this on the Internet. And this crop circle was designed to be visible from the president's helicopter when he flew to a meeting with Prime Minister Theresa May. Now, in Russian, this typical word that Americans use, the F word, means whore. But it's often used more broadly, and in this case... An unnamed artist paid a farmer to use the field, and the farmer himself, who wouldn't be named, doesn't care a whit about the politics of it either way. He said, a lot of people ask me about this, but my thoughts on Trump are completely neutral. It was a business transaction, a money deal between myself and the artist. 
Now, the photographer who took images of this crop circle says, a lot of planning and drawing was involved by the experts who made it. It took two weeks to design and over 12 hours to make on a sweltering hot day. It's a circle, and, you know, Russian is hard enough to spell with a, or to write out with a pen or a brush. It's very intricate lettering on this 650-foot circle that someone made by hand as a, um, an opposition sign to Trump. Hmm. Well, Coast Guard has extended a safety zone around Hawaii lava flows after a lava bomb hit a tour boat. This is really horrific. The Coast Guard extended the required safety zone surrounding active lava flows in Hawaii after a flying hunk of lava hit a tour boat and injured 23 people. This lava bomb punctured the roof of a lava tour boat. The boat was called Hot Shot, and this happened yesterday on, on Kapoho Bay on the Big Island. Now, boats in Hawaii were already required to be at least 1,000 feet away from lava flows at all times. However, certain commercial and research vessels were granted special permissions to get closer, and these boats were allowed to be really close. And last week, the Coast Guard lowered that safety zone to 164 feet. Now, I wonder if that has something to do with Hawaii's lamentations that they're Tourism has been greatly reduced because of the volcano. Perhaps it's good for tourism. It's good for interest to get really close to the lava zone. Anyway, that's what they did. Well, they had to reverse that because of the lava bomb injuries that happened yesterday. Now they're saying that all boats have to go back to the 1,000-foot rule. Well, a witness who saw the boat said it had rocks all over it. Some people had burns and gashes on their legs as they left the boat. One person was taken off on a stretcher. Another witness said the explosion sent black sand everywhere and rocks on the boat's roof were red hot. This boat had about 50 lava rocks on it, including about three the size of basketballs. The lava bomb exploded and left a large hole in the boat's roof. I mean, it practically demolished the boat and hurt all of those people who were, for whatever reason, allowed to get up to 164 feet away when the original boundary was 1,000 feet. All right. Well, the IRS is not going to force the Koch brothers and other groups to disclose their donors anymore. The Trump administration will end a long-standing requirement that certain nonprofit organizations disclose the names of large donors to the Internal Revenue Service. The change that has long been sought after by Republicans in Congress and other conservatives will affect thousands of labor unions, social clubs, and political groups such as the AARP, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the National Rifle Association, Americans for Prosperity, which is financed by the billionaire brothers Charles and David Koch. Treasury officials say that the reporting change will affect contributions known as dark money because their source is hidden, will protect privacy, and reduce compliance costs for nonprofit organizations. Critics are denouncing this, saying it would encourage political donations 
from domestic and foreign contributors who want to skirt the law and keep their influence secret. And finally, this evening, a bioethics council uh, in the UK has approved genetically edited embryos. That's right. Genetically modifying an embryo's DNA to prevent heritable diseases will be ethically acceptable, according to this landmark report. This is from the Nuffield Council of Bioethics, which is an independent, so-called charitable body investigating the ethics of certain biological and medical developments. And it is said in a report that while it does not suggest that they overhaul current UK law that forbids this procedure, that they should fail to do so in the future. In other words, this law should be open to reinterpretation and change in the future. They go on to say that there is uncertainty over the sorts of things that genome editing might be able to achieve or how widely its use might spread, but we have concluded that the potential use of genome editing to influence the characteristics of future generations is not unacceptable. These so-called ethical experts went on to say that gene editing should consider two overarching principles. One, that the procedure should be carried out to secure the welfare of the individual involved. And two, that um, it should be used only in circumstances where it cannot be expected to trigger social unrest. Hmm. Interesting <laughs> way to put that. Just really bizarre. Now, the report was shot down by some, perhaps many, who claim it risks paving the way for the approval of so-called designer babies. Some have called the Council's review of genome editing, I quote, an absolute disgrace, noting decades-long international bans on eugenic genetic engineering, and that this group of scientists thinks it knows better, even though there is absolutely no medical benefit to this whatsoever. The, Nut, the Nuffield Council probably should be Nutfield. The Nuffield Council doesn't even bother to say no to outright designer babies. The people of Britain decided 15 years ago that they don't want GM food. Do you suppose that they want GM babies? End quote. Speaking of quote, I have a quote for our times from Michael Elner, and he says, "Just look at us." Everything is backwards. Everything is upside down. Doctors destroy health. Lawyers destroy justice. Universities destroy knowledge. Governments destroy freedom. The major media destroys information. And religion destroys spirituality. Upside down indeed. All true. Oh, yeah. Well, in spite of all of that, which has absolutely no effect on the energy of love or the vitality of divine spirit coursing through us. From my heart to each one of you, much love for this week. Stand strong and be full of light. And we'll talk again next Starseed News. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you so much, Anastasia, for bringing us the news. Some really serious things to think about there. But thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All righty then, I'm going to um, get Lavendar's mic open and our special guest, Judy Carroll, get your mic open. Okay, great. Yes. 
Hi, Judy. Welcome. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks, Levin. Lovely to oh, be here again. I think this is my third time. I, I think it is. And, and Lavender, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go, yes. Okay. Take it away. So, Judy, I love this book, Extraterrestrial Presence on Earth. Oh, that's good to hear. Outdo yourself <laughs> from the other two, but you have. This is this is riveting. In in the first 38 pages, I just I just was sitting on the edge of my bed going, yes, yes, she finally brought, brought it all together. I'm so excited for you to be on the show tonight. So, Start anywhere you want to start. Maybe you should uh, tell okay, some of um, our audience little, little, a little bit about how this came to be for you. A lot of people on yes, our um, show tonight well, have heard you before, but maybe some new people haven't heard. Sure, yes. Um, well, look, I'll, I'll just briefly talk about my story. Um, I've actually been having close contact with the ETs for almost all my life. I'm now 65 years old and their contact has been going on for over 60 years. Um, um, it, it's taken quite a while for more conscious understanding to come through. Um, this actually happened at an experience that happened when I was 30 years of age. And from there, much more has actually come through since I've even spoken on your show. Um, I died to my last life through a conscious dying process. The Buddhists talk about this, um, but of course the, all the ETs practice it as well. And that life I, was actually a life lived as a Zeta Grey. And during the death process, I decided to be reborn down here on planet Earth in an Earth human container. I actually died in one of the ship crashes during the 1940s. Um, so I was down here after that and becoming aware of what was going on and decided to volunteer to come back in an earth human body so that um, I could communicate more easily with people because there's been a lot of difficulties, particularly with the greys, with communication because uh, they, they communicate telepathically and many people, particularly a human in a state of fear, cannot pick up on telepathic messages. And so a lot of people who've been taken up onto the ships complain that the greys won't communicate. So this was the main, one of the main things that I wanted to um, um, you know, tackle in this life. So in my preparation to come here, I actually chose to be born as what I like to refer to as a blended soul. And what a blended soul is, when the person, or the soul energy, I should say, is deciding to reincarnate into the next life, they uh, connect energetically with two planetary cultures rather than the usual one. Like normally when a soul is going to incarnate into physical form, they'll start um, linking their energy into a planetary culture, a species culture on that planet, a national culture, etc., etc., those of us who decide to come back as blended souls or dual souls actually link into two planetary cultures. And my choice was to link into the Earth human culture and also the grey culture. And in this way, I have conscious memory of being part of both cultures. And so therefore, I can act as an ambassador between the two cultures, which is very, very important at this time with so many more ETs coming here um, after the Second World War. So this decision was made. But I also made the decision that for about the first, um, well, at least 15 years of my life, I wouldn't retain any conscious memory of my ET roots. 
because I wanted to experience the fear of ET contact through Earth's human eyes so that after I, I woke up, I'd still be able to empathise with the fear that people go through. Um, so, you know, I do understand totally from that angle. I went through a lot of fear as a child. I have a couple of vague memories of being taken up on board a ship. Um, it was like as if I was operating through two brains in my head. One brain knew what was going on. That was the ET part. The Earth human part didn't understand, was absolutely terrified, had no idea what was going on. So I have, have completely um, experienced it from both angles. Um, at age 30, I had a very, very full-on daytime encounter during which I recognised the ETs as family. Um, I actually found myself um, in a paralysed state, which many, many people go through, and three greys were standing beside the bed. There was a loud roaring sound going on in my head, and from there I experienced a period of missing time, but during this I was reminded of my assignment down here, and a massive download of information and advice was given to me regarding the work we're carrying out on Earth and the part that I was to play in it, and I was also advised on further studies I needed to do in order to undertake my role to the best of my ability. Now, I was actually married and living out of town at that time on acreage, but I was told that I'd be moving back to the city in order to get on with my work. And over the next three years, circumstances changed massively, and many strange coincidences happened, with things falling into place to enable all of this to happen. The Greys had actually told me that I needed to learn to meditate and I needed to learn Tai Chi because I'd been a professional dancer um, and was, would have found meditation very, very hard. So their advice for me was to learn Tai Chi, which is moving meditation. I didn't even know what it was at that time, so it was quite funny when I did finally find out what it was. I, I realised what amazing advice it was they'd given me. And um, I was also told that I would be learning a natural healing technique. So as I just mentioned, um, amazing things fell into place over the next three years and a period of intense study followed, including eight years of training in a meditation group. And in this group, I learned channeling and automatic writing. I also underwent six years of Reiki training to get to master teacher level and actually beyond and I'm also now a qualified Tai Chi and Qigong instructor, which I've been teaching for over 30 years. Um, it was very interesting because being guided into these energy modalities and techniques, I'm able to work with people down here as an Earth human, teaching people about energy, and I can also work up on the ship. I have memories of working up on the ship as a grey. So um, I'm very, very aware of this bridging of the two cultures and having a foot in both camps, so to speak, which is quite an interesting <laughs> understanding to have. I'd like for you to, to uh, explain a little bit about how, how people have been uh, misinformed about the Zetas and the Greys. I, I know that you've written about it extensively in this book. And I think it's a really good yes. um, uh, explanation of what's happening in the metaphysical community with the fear tactics that have been happening with the people that have been abducted by the greys and the fear patterns that go with that. So would you address that, please? 
Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, there's actually two agendas going on. Um, there's an agenda going on with genuine ETs, which includes the Greys, but there's also an agenda going on down here, um, masterminded by a group that I talk about in the book as the Reptarian Controllers. Now, this group was actually developed on it. There's been a number of Genesis events on it. It's not just one they talk about in the Bible. There's a number of them. And um, one of these Genesis events involved the Draconians who created a human reptoid group, which I refer to in the book as Reptarians. I call them Reptarians to differentiate them from the off-planet reptilians, most of whom are perfectly nice, decent people. They, they actually play a protector role in the universe. Um, they're not the monsters that you know, the people think they are. But yes, this group down here, the Reptarians, certainly are. And they're the ones that we know of as the elites in the Illuminati, as was mentioned at the beginning of the program. And they actually use, have used, over many millennia, a divide-and-conquer agenda to keep humanity disempowered and under control. And they do this through fear and disinformation. And a lot of it, unfortunately, has been carried out through religion. A lot of brainwashing has been carried out through religion. Religion practiced properly is about love, unconditional love. But unfortunately, the ones who have introduced a lot of the religion to planet Earth um, use it as a controlling um, fear thing. All the idea of you know hellfire and damnation and all this is it's all absolute you know rubbish. Total Judy, rubbish. let me interrupt like you for a moment. Your your real your voice is yeah. really uh, wobbly. Um, Ariel, are you there? Can she call back in or maybe get a better connection? Well, I, what do you I, think? I guess if I can call back. Are you using uh, Skype? I can call back in. Um, I know I'm not. I'm on a landline. Okay. Um, well. Uh, it probably can't get any better than that. Look, this, it's cleared. It's cleared up now. Uh, but, this um, does. Yes. It, what what okay. I find it does happen sometimes. It comes and goes very quickly. So it should clear okay. up quickly. Okay. Can okay, you repeat yeah, what yeah. you just said about because it was so garbled we couldn't hear it. What you just said about yes. Okay. Uh, the misinformation of the of the of the uh, reptilians. Yes. Um, yes, the reptilians have basically carried out a controlling and brainwashing um, agenda on Earth to keep humans in a state of fear and under control through divide and conquer um, and through fear. And a lot of this fear has actually spread through religion. Religion's been a major brainwashing um, technique that they've used. Religion is supposed to be about unconditional love, but unfortunately a lot of fear and like fear of hellfire and a judgmental God figure, etc., um, has been used to cause fear um, and make people um, afraid of um, the whole idea of um, you know getting on with life and, and reincarnation was taken out of the teachings that was taught by Jesus that's been removed um, which has interfered a lot with the evolutionary path of humanity so this is basically what the controllers are doing what they are also doing they're working through what are, have become known as my labs the military Reduction programs. Um, Stephen Greer, Dr. Stephen Greer, talks about this quite a lot. And they've actually taken genetic material from genuine ET bodies that have been retrieved from the crashed ships and they've made their own hybrids. 
Um, and these are the PLFs, the programmed life forms that Stephen Greer talks about. And they've specifically been made to resemble the greys and giving people nasty abduction experiences um, to make the greys out to be demons in the eyes of people when in actual fact the, the real greys are here to assist with human evolution. Yes, that's a, a very good explanation. So can you give us some information about why you came to Australia and do you think it's part of the big plan for um, you being there for disclosure and some of the information that's happened from some of the cave dwellings that people have found from other ETs being there. I know that you wrote about it in your book, yes. so give us a little history of why you went to Australia to incarnate and what do you think is going to be happening now in the future. Yes, well, what I talk about in the book, um, I was brought into contact with a lady by the name of Valerie Barrow, who is an Australian author, and she has done a lot of research and has many memories backed up by many, many, many people of a Palladian ship that um, came to try to um, you know, correct the wrongs that were happening many, many millennia ago with the reptilians or reptarians down here. And the reptarians actually shot their ship down over um, Czechoslovakia in that area. They shot down this, this Palladian mothership and a number of them were able to escape in rescue pods and one of these rescue pods actually landed on the east coast of Australia off the coast of what is now New South Wales and they um, put in place a, a program, you know they set themselves up there and put in place a program to try to help what are referred to as mixtures which was an early earth human race that the reptarians were actually creating as slaves and this Pleiadian group started carrying out genetic work in Australia on the ones who were here um, to take them through to the next step because what the Reptarians had done, they'd interfered with the DNA of this early Earth human race, um, which was a, a primate, what developed from primates, and they'd, uh, they'd interfered with their DNA so that they couldn't develop or evolve any further. So they, they'd sort of made them stuck in a in a, um, a no man's land of not being able to develop more spiritually and so the Pleiadian group came in and carried out further DNA work to help this group to evolve more from the animal kingdom into the human kingdom um, thus the first modern type earth humans were developed and from we, what research has been done and there's been some <coughs> research carried out here in Australia on this this group was actually the first human group to appear on earth and they then went out to other places now this isn't to say that early humans weren't developed in the Middle East there was also a program going on there but again this program was disrupted because they were kept back as slaves whereas the progressive work was carried out in Australia. So it's almost like a, a, another genesis happened here. Um, and thus the Aboriginal people of Australia are very, very open to their star ancestry. They, play, they can uh, trace their star ancestry back to the Pleiadians um, and some other star races. And it's part of their... Um, how can I say? Their heritage that has passed down over many, many generations. 
um, and they, they t- they're totally open about it. They they have their stories that they talk about, and uh, the Dreamtime stories, and um, it's totally accepted by them. So so Valerie Barrow, she wrote about um, the ship crashing. Didn't she say something about it left some kind of uh, green moldavite uh, in the area where yes. the ship crashed? Yes. Yes, yes. The the ship was actually melted. Uh, they used some sort of a, a laser um, weaponry on it, and it actually melted. And this green, it, it formed like a green crystal-type substance. Uh, and this is a Moldavite crystal that's only found in those areas. And um, people who were involved in like being on that ship are very, very moved when they when they come across a piece of this Moldavite, which apparently is quite rare because it is only found in that area. What did she also say about Ayers Rock? Uh, yes, well, um, I've actually visited Ayers Rock, what uh, has been now renamed as Uluru. Um, it, it was actually an ET base back then. So it's an extremely sacred place for the Aboriginals. Um, I had a wonderful experience. I went out there and meditated in a cave under the rock and um, a lot of memories came back of um, an ET life in Australia Um, and that was the reason why I actually chose to be reborn back here because I had spent time back there millions of years ago or thousands of years ago and um, I wanted to come back here. Yeah, great. So do you find many people in Australia uh, being awakened now by your books and your information? Do you have a a pretty large following there in Australia? Yes, fairly, fairly large, uh, Lavender, um, because I I teach Reiki, and um, my my co-author of the first book that I wrote, The Zeta Message, Helene Kay, also is a Reiki teacher, and we actually seem to manage to connect with a lot of people through the Reiki. Um, Many people aren't aware of this, but Reiki was actually brought to the planet long, long ago by the ETs, and um, one of our grey teachers went through the whole of the uh, Reiki that we'd been taught and just tweaked it here and there just to correct a few little things. And um, we actually teach what, like Reiki and in the way that he has advised us to teach it. And um, we found a, a huge amount of success with it. Um, it was interesting because he also taught us an aura cleanse, a 13-step aura cleanse. And um, we teach that with the Reiki, and we've actually got it up on YouTube, on our um, YouTube channel, Zeta Guardian 1, if people um, ever want to go in and have a look at it and learn it. We put it up there so people can learn it. Very powerful technique. Yes. I wanted to know if um, you, you are being tracked. Do you leave Australia on lecture tours? Are you, are you doing any of that now, or are you just staying in Australia? No, just basically staying in Australia. Um, my husband has health problems, so I'm a carer to my husband, so it's very hard for me to get away. So um, I basically just do work like this, phone or Skype, and um, write articles, etc. So that's how I work. I've spoken at a few conferences here in Australia, but we don't have as many as you, you folks do. You're, you're, you're breaking up again. I, I, I can't hear you. Okay. Can, maybe if you just... Maybe your mouthpiece or something. I, I don't know if that would correct what's happening. Yeah, it 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 will pass in a moment or two. Is that coming better now? Not yet. <laughs> Still gurgling. <laughs> I, I think it's 
a flame just went over. So I think it might be interfering with the energies. I think it's a lot, a lot to do with electromagnetic energies around the area. I think. Oh, now you're okay. Now you're okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the plane going over. <laughs> you know, I really they appreciate a lot in the more back of this book realize. your glossary. I realize that yeah. so many people don't have the metaphysical language that a lot of us have grown up with, the, the new people on the planet, sometimes they don't understand some of our speak because of of uh, terminology. And you've really given yes. us a great deal of glossary in the back of your book for for terms that that uh, people need to know about. So I want to encourage the people. Yeah, to well, we book. can thank the publisher for that. They They did a really good job doing that. Yes. You know, I really love Brian, that's who did your book. Yeah. I, oh, I, they're they're fantastic people to work with. Yes. They're wonderful. We have a lovely publicity agent too, Eileen Dune, who does tremendous work. Yes. So, um when when did you finish this book? This is real recent, isn't it? This is out new. It's yes, it it only uh, came out in March. It's actually taken quite a few years to get it written and get it up and running because uh, you know it's it's a fairly complex book and um, it was released in March, so it hasn't been out all that long. Right. You might have noticed too on the on the cover. Um, I have a very good friend who was a sibling in our past grey life, a lady by the name of Jacqueline Smith, who's a quite a world-renowned animal communicator. And she actually wrote the name of the book in our ET language, which is on the cover. You probably notice those symbols um, up on the top top uh, right-hand corner of the cover. Yes. Where does where does Jacqueline yes. Smith live? What is she here in the states, or where, where does she come from? Yes, yeah, she's in the states. Yes, yes, she's based in Ohio. I would really love to have her come on the show if. If there's a way for you to to let her know that we're interested in having her as a guest, oh yes, look for sure. Um, we we connected quite a few years ago through Dr. Leo Sprinkle, and uh, she was getting memories through of our crash, and um, went to Leo to get a bit of counselling on it. I think he gave her some hypnotism to bring some memories forward. And um, he had written the foreword for my book, so he knew about me. And he um, advised Jacqueline to get in touch with me and pass my email address on. Anyway, Jacqueline contacted me, and we were absolutely blown away by the similarities between the two of us. We look a little bit alike, and um, we've got all the same furnishings and things. We both love bamboo furniture, and I have exactly the same bamboo screen up behind my computer that she has up behind hers. Um, <laughs> we found all these amazing uh, similarities, and I mean, we had never met before. And as we started talking, all these memories of this past grey life came up and the, and the scientific expeditions we used to go on together and the work we used to do. And um, we, we try and keep in touch now through Skype, and it's very, very interesting all the memories that have come up between us. Well, if if there's a way for you to to email me over her contact information, I'll be I'll be happy to contact her to see if she'll come and be on our show. Oh yes, look for sure, Lavender. She'd be on it. I'll I'll certainly let her know about that, and I'll pass on the information for her, or I'll give you her email address, whatever. Uh, talk a little bit about the need to come to the planet because of atomic atomic. 
uh, the splitting of the atom and what happened with Hiroshima and with Japan. Do you have any more information about uh, yes. how that came about? Yes. Yes, well, of course, ET, the ET races aren't allowed to just interfere. There's very, very strict laws in place. The only time they can start, um, how can I say, not quite interfering, but you know, impinging or impacting upon a planetary uh, race is when that planetary race develops, gets to a point of technology where they develop nuclear weaponry. And this is what happened during the Second World War. Um, it was after the, the bombs were let off, which ended the Second World War, was when a huge number of ETs started coming back here. But they a actually did before that because they could see what was happening. They could see what that war was leading to. And um, this is the reason why there was such a um, huge increase in the number of UFOs, etc., seen around because of the fact that nuclear weaponry had been invented. Now, when that bomb, or those two bombs that were let off at the end of the Second World War, they impacted right far through the solar system and out into the galaxy. People have no idea of the um, electromagnetic uh, interference that comes through. Now, as I've just figured out, as we've been talking, and, and I was just reading about this the other day, aeroplanes going over cause a huge amount of disturbance. Um, I was just reading about that in another book. And this is when the phone goes funny, is when a plane goes over, because we live near an airport here. Um, so anything like that disturbs the um, electromagnetic energy that surrounds us. And so this is the reason why the ETs have started coming here and ones like me have started coming here, to try to educate people more as to how much energy impacts upon us that the whole universe is energy that's the lowest common denominator it's energy of many many infinite frequencies and um, once a planet starts developing weaponry like that that can impact on other cultures out there something has to be done about it um, so this is why we're here trying to educate people and get our voice heard in the book you talk about the different ways that the reptilian controllers dummy down the human race. Give us some examples of how they're pulling this off. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, as I said before, a major a major one was religion. Um, Jesus taught about reincarnation. There's, there's mention of reincarnation in the Bible. But it was taken out of, of scripture um, at uh, the, one of those um, meetings that they had in Constantinople. It was about oh, 400 to 500 years after the crucifixion of Christ with the emperors Constantine and Justinian who decided to take the teachings on reincarnation out so that people would be dependent upon the priests, etc., to so-called save them. Um, so people lost all self-responsibility for their spiritual evolution, um, which has been a major, major disruption to the evolution of the whole planet. That, that was one way they did it. Um, they do it now in many, many ways through technology without spiritual um, development to be able to balance it out. The way technology is just forging ahead on Earth down here but they don't have, people don't have the spiritual um, know-how to be able to handle it. Um, just like, like when during the, the news section that we were listening to before, talking about 
the genetic engineering now that is going to be allowed on um, on embryos, etc. Now, okay, that's getting into ET technology because that's what the ETs do. They will, will um, um, repair DNA, etc., to help a, a race to evolve. But down here, it's not going to be done like that. It's not going to be done in a positive way. It's going to be done in a more controlling way um, because the ones doing it don't have the spiritual know-how uh, to be able to do it in the most appropriate way to assist the race. Um, it's through the entertainment industry. That's another another area that is being um, really subjected to a lot of control or interference. Again, we talk have to go back to energy. People don't realise that the energy behind music and that words of music impacts hugely upon our energy body. And so a lot of this hard metal type music is very damaging to the human psyche. It, it, incites, it, it incites feelings of anger and aggression in young people. Um, so that's a very effective way of controlling people. Through the banking system, um, the Honourable Paul Hellyer, the ex-Defence Minister of Canada, talks about this a lot. I quote him in my book, talking about how the banking system, etc., and governments, etc., have all been influenced in a negative way by the controllers. Um, Paul Hellyer actually has asked permission to quote from my book in his next book. So <laughs> hopefully we're starting to get these things out, out so that people start to wake up and realize what's going on. Can you talk a little bit about the fourth dimension and how astrals will pretend to be ETs to trick people? Yes, yes, that's something else that's not understood. Um, again, we're talking about different dimensions, um, and we create the astral plane through our own thoughts. Uh, this is very hard to explain in 3D words, but whatever we put out, we create. And so, because the controllers have used fear and superstition to control humanity over so many millennia, this has created fear and thought forms, etc., on the astral plane, because we actually create the astral plane through our own thoughts. Um, and so the more that propaganda is spread on the net, for example, about all oh, evil aliens and all the ETs or demons, etc., etc., which um, sets, it, it, how can I say, um, brings out a seed of fear in people's thoughts, and this seed then starts to grow. And is put out there into the into the ethers, and so um, astral thought forms are created in this sort of you know demonic looking uh, ET or whatever, and these can be actually manipulated by the controllers to cause people to have frightening experiences. So a lot of these MyLab military abductions um, involve mind control on the astral level by implanting these fear, um, fear sort of oriented thought forms into people's minds to make them believe that they're having a negative ET experience when in actual fact it's from right here. It's very interesting because I've spoken widely with um, Dr. Carol Rosen who used to work with NASA many years ago. She actually worked with um, Werner von Braun, one of the German scientists brought across, a rocket scientist brought across um, as part of op Operation Paperclip during the Second World War, after the Second World War. And uh, she was um, very aware of this technology that was brought across from Germany. And one of the main 
technologies that was brought was remote mine control, which they actually mastered back in 1956. So unfortunately, it's in the wrong hands. So this remote mine control, through this, they can actually place, um, like channel messages, etc., into people's minds, so that in some cases, I'm not saying all cases, but in some cases where a psychic believes that they're, say, receiving a message from Michael Archangel or someone you know, like that, or Jesus or whoever, it's actually the control that's sending the message through, through this remote mind control. Carol actually had it done on her by her boss, so she, you know, in a helpful way. Um, when she lost some notes, she was giving a lecture and she lost a place and Dr. Von Braun was sitting in the audience and he actually spoke inside her head, guiding her through the lecture. But she, so she actually knows she's had it done to her. And she said it's far more uh, widespread than we would ever realise. So a lot of this, when people get messages in their minds, so-called, you know, from an archangel or a Pleiadian or a, or a space brother or whatever, it's actually coming from down here. Wow, that's really that's really uh, uh, a, an illuminating thought. <laughs> I'm looking at the time. <laughs> would you be able to uh, stay a little longer and? Um, talk to some people that may want to call in. So I'd like to pass you over now to Ariel, who has the switchboard. And anytime you want to come on, Judy, you just let us know. Even if it's for five minutes, something important that you want to tell to our audience, we'll always be able to give you a little time each Tuesday that you want to come on. So back to you, Ariel. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has just been so... um, enlightening judy because there has been so much confusion and you know divide and conquer and really being able to track is so important because so many people just exactly you know it's like oh you know my my spirit guide told me to do this and it's like well did you check their id um you know because that's right. It's not always a, it's not exactly. Always Even in the Bible, they say you know that the Antichrist will appear as a being of light, and you know we we have to learn to look past the physical appearance. We have to start learning how to read the energy of people. That's right. You know, we have to be a little bit more responsible and not quite so willing to follow. Um, so we actually yes. have a caller that has been waiting to speak with you. So we can just um, get right okay. to that. Um, you will be talking to Bianca. Let me get your mic open, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bianca, you are on the air with Judy Carroll. Go ahead and ask your question. Hi, Judy. Thank Hi, you Bianca. Guys for taking my phone call. So my question is, um, I've had uh, my own experience, experiences in sightings, and one experience that I had is I had a reptilian-like being um, come to me in a semi-dream state, and when uh-huh. he was in front of me, we telepathically communicated, and I wasn't. There was no fear at all. Um, it was just really like, "Hi, you yeah. know, who are you, and what are you doing, or, or what's you know, what is yeah. this about?" And he telepathically told me, um, I, "I'm here just to take a sample of your brain," or he said, "A piece of your brain." And then I immediately woke up, right. and I and I was actually meditating <laughs> under the stars when this happened. Um, so I guess my question to you is: people that have ex- 
experienced sightings or things like I just described to you, is, is it a past life connection? Is it a, a DNA connection? I guess I'm just trying to understand what was the point of yes. that? Because, because I truly feel yeah, it was yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Generally, the, <clears throat> providing it's a genuine experience, and, and I think yours was, because of the fact that you said you felt no fear, um, it's mm-hmm. important for people to understand that the ones who come to us, we generally have a DNA connection with them because everyone on Earth is basically an ET hybrid. I mean, that's what makes us human is that ET DNA that we all of us have. And we could be easily out of a reptilian group or we could be out of a Pleiadian group or a grey or, or whatever. You know, there are many different ones. And the majority of the reptilian ones out there are perfectly good, decent people who are working on this program with all the other ETs. They're part of star nations. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, the ones that come to us in a genuine experience, we generally have a connection. We look on them as family. That that was the first thing that when I had my conscious experience back in um, 1983 at age 30, that was the first thing that struck me because up until that point, I'd been really, really scared. And up at mm-hmm. that point, I suddenly, oh, my God, they're family. I recognized them as family. And after that, I never had any fear. So when you recognize mm-hmm. that, that connection, it just helps the communication so much. Okay. Gotcha. And and how I still meditate. Um and ever since I've moved to a different state, the connection seems to be uh not as strong. Um and uh-huh. I don't know and maybe it could be because now I'm in a big city and there's a lot of interference, there's a, a lot more planes. I don't know. So I guess my question is how how can I make that connection stronger than just meditating? Okay. Well, what sometimes happens is the communication goes to a deeper level, so you don't retain as much conscious memory of it. Uh, many, many mm-hmm. people are having contact on a regular basis, but they're not consciously aware. So that could be mm-hmm. what's happened. Uh, you might have so- sort of stepped up to the next level now. So it's become less conscious, but it's still happening. That's very likely actually what's happened. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Okay. The fact that, Thank you. The fact that you know, they, yes. they made communication, you've, you've, um, you, know, you feel okay with it. And so what they want now for you to just get on with your life without them sort of interfering, because they always worry that they, they don't want to interfere and come in too often because they don't want us to come too dependent upon them. That, that's the other thing. They want us just to get on with our lives. And in, in many cases, we're doing a massive amount of work as we're sleeping. I know, like in my mm. case, that's how it is. So during the day, they just let me get on with my daily life. At night, I leave the body and go up on the ship, but I don't always necessarily remember. Right, right. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Judy. That's no worries, Bianca. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling in, Bianca. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Okay, so um, if anyone else has a, a question for Judy, if you are already on the switchboard, then just press 1 on your keypad to let us know that you do have a question. If you are listening on your computer, um, then you'll need to pick up the phone and dial 917 
888-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1 so that we know you have a question. So um, as I was listening to, to um, you and Bianca, I had uh, a question come into my mind in that when people have um, a visitation and if there is uh, some kind of fear, if do we always have the choice to say no, not now, or I don't want to participate? Yes. And and if, yes, we do. Um, and and if the if the you know um, other being is of the light, then they will withdraw. Is that right? Yes, yes, they will. They will. The thing is that people don't often understand is that it's to have these visitations is a pre-birth choice that we have made. It's like a pre-birth agreement. Now a lot of things um, are like agreed upon or decided upon pre-birth that we don't necessarily bring through into our consciousness once once we're reborn down here into the heavier atmosphere of earth so if we are having genuine contact it means that we have agreed to it so what often happens if it really is disturbing the person but it's still genuine contact if they ask the, the ETs to back off what the ETs will do they will back off from the conscious level um, the help will continue but on a deeper level so that the person isn't so disturbed by it. Because a lot of people want contact and a lot don't. So, you know, they respect that. Yeah, and then on the other hand, if if the beings are not, and when I say of the light, I'm, you know what I'm saying, um, if yeah. they are not, you know, yeah. for the, the highest um, good and benefit, if they do have an ulterior yeah. motive, if they're the controllers or the darker energies, and then you tell them yeah. to go away if they will not go away, then isn't that a big clue that you don't want to be dealing with them in the first <laughs> <Yes>. place? <laughs> yes, that's right. That's when you do start calling on the light. Um, and also self-empowerment and understanding and acceptance of our own self-empowerment is a massive protection in this um, area. What people need to remember is we all have the God essence within. What, what's meant by mankind or humankind being created in the image of God? All that means God isn't a physical being. He's not a physical old man up on a cloud. Physicality is a very low vibrational frequency. What that actually means is that we are all multidimensional beings of energy as God is a multidimensional being of energy. So therefore, we all have God essence within us. And this um, is our—it's—it's it's our protection and our empowerment. So if we have a negative en en entity of some sort come around, providing we can dig down deep enough to bring this empowerment and the power of love up to the surface, and and you know tell them to get lost, it will work. It's when we start getting weak and into victim mentality that's when they start stepping in and taking over. So that self-empowerment and the understanding you have God within is really important for people to understand. We are all immortal souls. We're all part of God. That's such a, a, a good lesson and, and good message for people because you know there are a lot of people that um, maybe have had some unexplained experiences 
and and it's really hard when you are when you're dealing with a a fifth dimensional energy to put any kind of sense with it with a third dimensional brain it just yeah it, it right. doesn't jive so um Exactly, exactly. Even for people to understand that we are multidimensional beings, you know, we have an essence right through all the dimensions. That's really hard for people to get their heads around. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got, I don't know if you heard that part of Anastasia's news where there was a a 39-year study that showed that people's IQ is dropping. And, I mean, (laughs) I started tracking that on a lot of different levels. Um, you know, from the the food yeah. and the pollution that we eat, and the electromagnetic Wi-Fi interference, and um, all these are going to affect your your brain function. So you know, oh, taking charge, yeah, taking charge in that area is vitally important. So um, absolutely let, vital, exactly. Um, earlier, um, when apparently there was a, a plane flying over your house, and in case people don't know, you are calling from Australia, and we're here in, in America, so it, it's just that's the miracle of technology. Uh, does it? You know, sometimes it serves it as well. <laughs> yeah, except for when the plane flies over. Yeah. But um, you were talking about the um, uh, well. These aren't your words, but what I was interpreting as um, kind of like imitation grays that have been designed yes. uh creative almost like robotic yes. replicas that the That's military right. yes. the, the yes. third dimensional beings so when people you know think that they've been abducted uh, by a, by a zeta it's really their own government or some other lower energy imitating uh so they so that the grays get the yeah. blame so i think that's yes, what you were explaining yes, yes. Yeah. so they're, they're, now that yeah yeah so could you kind of talk about that a little bit more because it it was a little garbled earlier when you were and it's really important it's extremely important yes um stephen greer dr stephen greer talks about this a lot he talks about the the military program and he talks about what he refers to as plfs they're programmed life forms and they're basically um, beings that have been created by the, the MyLab people down here out of, they've used DNA or genetic material taken from bodies of genuine ETs who've been, you know, died in the crashes. And they've created these, these like, engineered life forms um, in the form of greys, or, or, well, basically in the form of greys. Uh, when, you, when you see the two of them together, you can tell the difference because they haven't got a nice energy at all, whereas the greys, a genuine grey, gives out a nice energy. Um, and yet these are used sometimes actually physically in, in um, the MyLab-type um, contact experiences, and uh, also remote mind control is used to put images into people's minds of, seeming greys that aren't greys. Um, hypnosis is used. There's many, many ways that they can use to fake an ET abduction. Um, I remember um, in one of Bud Hopkins' um, books, oh, I can't remember what the name of it was, but he spoke about a person who was a Secretary General of the United Nations going through an ET abduction that wasn't very nice, threats were made, etc., um, against this person that they'd be put to death or so their family would be put to death if they 
um, allowed people, to, the government, to come out and speak about ET contact and that. And, and you know, of course, the poor man was absolutely terrified. That was a whole faked experience. Completely artificial. Completely yeah. artificial, yeah. Uh, yes, and um, it so was uh, Perez de Cuellar, I think his name was. Hmm. So I think that's a very yeah. important mes- message for people that have had um, disturbing visitations that, um, yeah. you yeah. again, you you need to seek the truth. And, and on some level, don't we have the mechanism to to tell the difference? We should have, but we don't always. Um, what, what the unfortunately, because we're a three D planet, people's minds are very, very caught up in three D reality as being the only reality. So therefore, they immediately look at the outer, shallow appearance. So with a lot of people, oh yes, if they're tall, blonde, blue-eyed, they're good. If they're little greys, they're bad because they look ugly. Um, but that's not the case. People need to look deeper. It's just the same as, um, you know, like in the spiritual circle, for example, I've heard of instances where people think that they're being contacted by this, you know, wonderful space brother and that, be all this beautiful, tall, blonde being, and it turns out that it's a negative entity. But they haven't picked it up on the energy level. They just, they don't look any further than the physical appearance. Um, and, and any physical appearance can be shown. As I said before, even in the Bible, it says the Antichrist will show himself as a being of light. <laughs> so so right. it's very, very important for people to develop their inner sense. Yes, and, and certainly, you know, um, I, I suppose that if it, if it leaves you feeling, um, you know, kind of sick in your stomach, that's probably a good clue yeah. that even if it was, you know, saying it was a, be- a benevolent being, um, there's there's so much trickery and fakery, um, and certainly ETs have the technology to to shape shift and you know, oh yes. so that they don't look so they don't look like a monster. They can look very you know angelic, yeah. and they can even cannot they even. Yeah, that's um, Look like an angel. They can have wings, and you know what people think. Oh, oh yes, it's an angel that came. Yeah. Oh yes, so yes, yes. And generally, in those cases, it's not a genuine ET. It's an astral form, or it's a fake. It's fakery from down here, like a holographic image or something that's being shown. Um, there, there are very few, um, if any, negative ET races visiting Earth because um, a, a lower energy being can't come into a higher energy planet so whatever is coming here in like negative is generally at, from our own lower astral right yeah and I know a lot of astrals can masquerade as an ET and yes. you know and they yes. can masquerade as angels and and it's just really a you know like the you know what was that come to my parlor said the spider to the fly <laughs> that kind of um, <laughs> That's you know, right. kind of seductive and excuse um, the pun but yeah. yeah yeah excuse pun but it's a very gray area <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well that would be g r a y um so we have another caller here uh, with, yes. with a question uh, so um you will be okay. talking to Joanne who has a question about r h negative blood so go ahead Joanne welcome to the show Thank you very much. 
and uh, hello. Um, that's, I'm, Hi, curious where, where, I'm curious, where does the rare Rh uh, negative blood type come from? Is it connected with the ETs? Yes, yes, it is, um, yes. The, the typical human blood group is O positive. Um, so RH negative is typically ET because of, you know, there's so much genet uh, ET genetics in Earth humans, so there are quite a few who carry this bloodline. Um, a lot of ETs down here also are A blood group. I, I a? Myself. Uh, that's the blood group A. Interesting. A <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh my! They're the ones who can who can be vegetarians. We can manage as vegetarians, whereas an O person finds it very very hard. They can actually get sick trying to stick with a vegetarian diet. Um, the Dalai Lama himself is not a vegetarian because he's O O positive, and he tried to become a vegetarian to be a good Buddhist, and he actually got very sick through it and had to go back to having meat. But he makes a joke because he says, I eat meat every second day, so therefore I'm a vegetarian for six months of the year. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> well, yes, thank you. I, it's interesting how it seems like uh, people that have the RH negative blood seem to gravitate to each other. I'm in a group yes. of yes. women, 12 women, nine are age negative. Very unusual. Yeah, right. How interesting. That is interesting. It's it's, <laughs> it's like you're vibrating on a similar frequency and so you feel comfortable with each other. That makes huge sense. Yes. Well, I thank you very much. I have read your book, uh, Human by Day, Zeta by Night. Enjoyed it immensely. Oh, that's, that's right, jo Yeah, Joanne. <laughs> that's good. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yes, it answered lots of questions and things I already thought of. So uh -huh, I thank you. Good. And I'm looking forward to this new thank book. You. <laughs> thank you very much. Good. Okay. Thank you, Joanne. Thanks for calling in, Joanne. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, so I just I wanted to ask you, um, one more thing, as she was talking, I forgot what it was, um, but I, because I think, <laughs> oh, that explains it, because I'm O positive blood type, and I tried to go vegetarian, and uh, and I did get really sick, and it, it's, yes. so it, yes. what you said is, you know, absolutely true. Yeah, so, oh, well, I know, I do I want know to, a lot of people want to be vegetarian, sorry, I, I, I was going to um, now I was going to say, I know, I know a lot of people want to be book. vegetarian because they don't want to hurt animals. But, you know, the thing is, is um, if, if we're created that way that we need animal, I mean, like a lion eats an animal, but, you know, we don't look at, upon a lion as being evil for doing that or bad doing it. It's just because that's the way they're, they're born and they have to have uh, flesh. And some humans are the same. You know, it's not good, bad or indifferent. It's just the way our body is made. Right, and you have to, you know, eat for your blood type. Um, I remembered the question sure. um, in your in your book. Um, you said that there are different um, physical types of greys, um, the you know the smaller ones yes. and the taller ones and the ones in between. Could you kind of just outline, yeah, you know, their their functions? 
Oh, yes, yes. Well, oh, look, my goodness, even within the, the Zeta Reticulum star system alone, there are about 30 different cultures. Um, the greys are actually a very, very widespread culture. And they, unlike Earth humans, Earth humans have been uh, developed out of mammalian stock, mammalian primate stock. The greys came to be out of insectoid stock. Um, any type of animal throughout the cosmos, there are many, many different human cultures that have been developed out of different animal types. And so therefore, you know, you can get the, the cat people of Sirius and the insectoid ones of, of the Zeta Reticulum system um, or whatever. So there's many, many different sorts. Now, amongst the greys, yes, there are the short ones and then they, they seem to carry out more of the role of actually workers or helpers. That's how they're referred to as workers or helpers. And then you've got the slightly taller ones um, who are very typical greys, then you've got the very tall ones who are related to the mantids. Um, the, the mantids and the greys are very, very closely related. The uh, mantids actually act in the role of elders to the greys. So um, they, they sort of guide the programs and that. So yeah, there's, there's quite a lot of variety even amongst the greys. You know, some have three fingers, some have four fingers. The blue-grey Arcturians, which are, which are greys, they have a retractable thumb that they can, <laughs> they can draw in or out. Um, and my, my sibling in the past life was actually um, part blue-grey Arcturian and um, was able to do this. And it was actually a bit of a joke between us back then. He could retract his thumb and I couldn't because I was more Zeta reticulum, he was more Arcturian. And um, <laughs> typical sibling <laughs> used to tease me about it. <laughs> well, well, I think the... Um the overall big picture is that people have to learn to accept each other on a soul heart energy level regardless of physical form and until we can do that among you know our own human nationalities um i think that would have to happen before disclosure can happen because it, you know if oh, if we for sure yeah we we can't get along with somebody because their skin is a different color. I mean, what are they going to do when when they don't even, you know, resemble human? Um, I know there's... Um, yes. Are the mantids like the praying mantis? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, they are. Yeah. 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 A lot of people are having contact with them, and, oh, they're beautiful beings. They're very, very highly evolved. Yeah, I, I remember um, in, in Lavendar's... Um, story when she was in the nursery the the day she was born um there was a a mantis uh, watching over her through the window wow and she was conscious wow. consciously aware of wow. that yeah so um oh, i wanted to <laughs> yeah and, and <laughs> amazing that she remembers um you know being hours old and being that fully is conscious yeah Yes. Um, wow. But I do Amazing. want to um, um, tell people, uh, or maybe you can tell people, how they can get your book or any of your books uh, from your website uh, yes. well, or from the, other websites. Yes, look, what they can do, that the books are available off Amazon and Kindle, and we actually have a link on our website, ufograyinfo.com, so they can go in there and um, order it, um, just clicking on the link, they can order it directly. 
Um, for people in Australia, if we have any people in Australia listing, um, they can actually just get it from me. I, I always have a, a um, store of books here because I'm just not sure at the moment. There seems to be a bit of problem between Amazon and, and our government here in Australia, something about GST or something, so I'm not sure if people can order from Amazon in America, but um, certainly anyone else can. So, yeah, they're, they're readily available from Amazon and the ebook version on Kindle. Okay, great. Well, we highly recommend that people... Um, educate themselves rather than um <laughs> you know go straight to the source to find the truth and and your books are full of truth and we really appreciate that we appreciate that you chose to come back and and help to lift the the veil of 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 fear and division and the um you know the propaganda the the imitation of your species um and the you know as you say the demonization of a lot of um, ET races, um, and especially like you said in Hollywood, you know, I just those movies really bother me when the you know aliens are going to conquer the planet, and and it's like, oh come on, you know, let's let's come out with a movie <laughs> yeah. with a positive, the positive message, get next to the truth. So um, that's right, I'm exactly, really... exactly. So much propaganda is, is spread through these movies, through Hollywood. It's it's so sad. Yeah, it is, and it's up to every individual to reach inside themselves. And we always teach people that if you ask three times in a row to be shown the truth, the truth will reveal itself. And even if you have yes, a, a yes. If you have a being that's in your in your room at night or in a dream at night, if you ask three times if you are of the light, you know, are you of the light? Um, they might be able to uh-huh. lie twice, but that third time they have to tell the truth. So, I mean, that's a lot of right, that's teaching interesting. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess yeah. there's some hierarchy that that has a um, a system of of law that you know. You have to tell the truth on the third, the third yeah. time. Um, <laughs> and I guess but, if a person says it three times, it means they really, really mean it. You know, leave me alone. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, and there, I mean, there are a lot of people too that you know they know that they're doing work at night. They know that they're going to the ship. They know that they're yes. doing work, and um, after a prolonged time of that, you start to really get tired because you're you're not really sleeping um regeneratively if you're working all the time day and night and in those cases don't well, we all trick, have the, the... Trick... go ahead the trick is is um if they're working on the ET ships we have these wonderful beds up there like healing beds that you can lie on just to get get refreshed <laughs> i think i use that quite a lot um, gen- generally, with those of us who are working on the ships, generally um, because we leave the body behind, the body gets its, its rest because we step out of the body. Um, I, I never take my physical body upstairs. I always just leave the body behind and then go into my grey form when I'm up there. And as I say, we have the beds up on the ship that we can take a bit of a rest if we need to when we're there. Um, but even if you did feel like you needed a break... All you have to do is ask, yeah. right? Yes. Just say, "Hey, I need a vacation." All you have to do is you ask. Know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. It's a, we we are a free will planet down here, and they must they must honour that. You know, that's really important that they honour our free will. And that's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. this has just been wonderful. Um, we love having you on the show, and we'd love to have you come back if you get a you know if you do another book or if you just want to come back with some um, updates or new information or just to stop in and say hi. How are you doing? Uh, we'd love to have you come back with us. Oh, that would be lovely. I would be highly honoured to do that. <laughs> Thank you so much for well, having me. You are so welcome, and we so appreciate that you work so diligently for so many decades to get the truth out there. And um, and it's really it's really uh, empowering, and empowering other people is the best yeah. way to. Um, to affect the evolutionary change that we need. That's exactly so, right. People have to take their power back. That's right. We give it away in so many different small ways mm-hmm. until one day you realize that yeah. that you know you you feel helpless. But you can always call it back. Yes. It's never really gone. It's never really gone. Just call it back. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So I know it's very early in the morning there for you. I mean, you're actually speaking us to the to us from the future <laughs> because you're for you yes, it's Wednesday yes, we and for are, us it's only are. Tuesday. <laughs> oh. It's not actually that that early. It's um, nearly twenty to eleven, so <clears throat> it's getting getting on to the later part of the morning. <laughs> oh. oh, good, good. It's just been a pleasure having you with us. And once more, everyone, check out Judy's website, which is ufogreyinfo.com. You can order her books, and you've got tons of information. So um, take your your time and, and really investigate this website. And we thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's our pleasure. So with that, we are going to wrap it up now, and we thank you all for listening and sharing this evening with us, or morning, as the case may be. And uh, until next week, <laughs> take care of your take care of yourselves, and remember, count your blessings. We have so much to be grateful for, and that's the best way to raise your frequency. Until next week, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye, Judy. Bye bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.